0: in the name of thy beloved son. Father, there's so much in this book that just boggles our mind. We pray that thou open our eyes and we might behold wondrous things out of thy love. Father, not only teach us, but give us willing, obedient hearts to practice what we learn. Father, bless us in this hour, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.
1: Thank you. It probably wouldn't hurt if someone would pray for the DVBS, too, before we start. Matt said to say hi to everyone and that um, he valued our prayers. So uh, it would be good if we prayed for the DVBS before we started.
2: I'll do it. Heavenly Father, thank you for the ministry uh, that's going on to children. And um, you've heard good numbers are attending. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you bless the three gentlemen, Matt and his friends, um, Brother Harvey and Brother Hoy, that they would just have a sense of the Spirit of God leading and directing and the things that they teach these children. And Father, we pray for fruits. We pray for souls to be saved. Uh we recall hearing that 70% of people who are saved were saved before their 17th birthday. And um, so I just would pray that this would be a time of harvest, the time of souls coming to Christ. And empower them, Lord, through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. So um, tonight, the, the subject is accountability of elders. I feel really bad in in one regret in one way, and then I'm really happy in another way. Number one, somehow I assigned this to Ray, and in um, reading all the books I have on elders, none no one none of my books that I currently have cover this subject. So um, these are probably going to be a lot of my own ideas and my own thoughts. So bear with me. I feel good. I, feel, I would have felt terrible if Ray was here and he had to teach this because uh, he probably would have wondered what in the world I was thinking about when I made this outline. And so uh, it's good maybe that he got called away so that I I got it in my lap so I can I can do this. So uh, if you have your Bibles, the first passage we're going to read is First Corinthians 4, starting with verse 1. First Corinthians four and one says, "Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. But with me is a small thing that I should be judged of you, or a man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yea, I am not hereby justified. Or he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring the light, the hidden things of darkness." will make manifest the counsel in heart of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Uh, Paul knows that he's accountable because he's a steward. Part of being held accountable is not to judge things before their time. And then accountability takes a humble person is a, is a willingness to confess and to admit when the ball is dropped. It's an openness and a transparency when someone asks you for an explanation. When elders believe they're not accountable, they do not believe they owe any explanation ever, but particularly when called to account, we'll look at four people or four different aspects of elders' accountability or or who they are accountable to. So um, I asked a question because I think think the Bible clearly teaches accountability, and I just wanna make sure that um, we see some aspects of accountability. So the first one is, what lessons can we learn about the accountability from Acts 11, 1 through 4? And I'll, I'll read it, and then we can discuss what you see as, uh, as accountability or lessons we can learn. Acts 11, 1 through 4, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest into the men into men uncircumcised and distinct with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them saying." So what, what lessons do we see about accountability here from Acts 11? Is everyone familiar with the story? It's it's it, In Acts 10, we have the story of Cornelius and and Paul's or Peter, sorry. I knew I was gonna mix that up at least once. Peter's dealing with Cornelius his visions, Cornelius's visions. And then we come to Acts 11 and he's going back to Jerusalem and there's some in Jerusalem who are contending with him. So what, what do we see here about accountability? It's always bad when I ask a question and no one answers. So um, I know I really ask a bad question if no one has an opinion on, the, on or an answer.
3: I think one of the things, uh, Clay, is that um, he he shows how that the Lord led him each step of the way. So I, I don't think they could refute it. Um, he basically just went through the narrative and, and uh, declared how the Lord was working this out so that the gospel would come to the Gentiles.
1: It's really interesting in this passage that Luke tells the whole story in chapter 10 and then he basically repeats the whole story again in chapter 11 and it's almost a word for word recount of the story so um what else does uh, i don't want to answer the question or at least what i was thinking of but that's a good answer what else do we see
0: here all right clay um i'm just getting on uh but I i wrote some answers down so
1: okay good
0: I actually had time to prepare. so Uh, I think leaders should be slow to anger and open to questioning by the flock, even if the flock is misguided in their concern. So here Peter has direct revelation from God to go to these Gentiles and he comes back and the flock is going, what in the world are you doing? You know, their concern was very misguided, was just driven by what kind of what they thought. And Peter's, he doesn't say, hey, he'll hold on. Who do you think you are? Right. He Listen, God spoke to me. God led me. He, he didn't rebuttal them. He gave them a, a very thought out answer, like Steve said. He 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 laid out how the Lord had led him. And I think that's that's necessary.
1: I think and I think in the scriptures I think is the detail of his answer, which almost is a repeat word for word of what happened shows the detail in which he was willing to not to justify himself, but to explain what took place. So um, I would agree, I I see a total lack of defensiveness.
0: Yes.
1: Here's Peter who along with James are probably the two recognized men in in the group. And yet when he's challenged that what he did was breaking of the law and was unholy, he doesn't get upset, he doesn't become defensive, he's transparent and he's willing to review it with great detail, exactly what took place. And so yeah. one of the one of the things that unfortunately happens way too often is when you question someone and you you might you might be judging the issue before the time. So we open with that. You might be judging the issue before the time and someone's judging you wrong or, or asking you an accountability question from the wrong point of view, how do you how do you respond to that? And I think what the lesson here is to learn Peter's to see how Peter responded. And then um the next one is uh what lessons can we learn from the accountability from Acts 1427? And Acts 1427 says and when they were come they had gathered in the church together they rehearsed all that god had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the gentiles what lesson do we learn I'm from this
2: the point i was going to make is that he you see in peter a, a respect for the church a respect for the process a respect right. you know and uh, he 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 holds himself accountable in that sense he he certainly was the lead apostle, you know, even in the, when Jesus was walking in the earth with him, and, and uh, he, could, he could have claimed a lot of, you know, authority maybe, but he doesn't show it at all, like we've been saying. He just, and he's accountable to
1: these elders. So when, when you are willing to be held accountable, you're showing a certain amount of respect to those people who are asking the question. Yes. That's a good point. Thank you. So from the Acts passage, what do we see um, from Paul and Barnabas? We actually debated this in an assembly I was at. And uh, when you, someone's commended to the work of the Lord, are they responsible to report back to the commanding assembly what their activities were? I'm a big accountability person. So I said, yes. And someone else said, no, that once you commend them to the Lord, the only person they're answerable is to the Lord. And I probably don't agree with that position. And I think the one of the lessons we learned here is Paul and Barnabas um, went back to Antioch and explained how the Lord had been using them in the time that he was gone.
2: And in, action, through, yeah, sorry, go ahead. 15, in Acts 15, they all they all come to a consensus there's james there's uh peter and and paul and and Barnabas and all of these people and they're all speaking up and and they they come to an agreement together and there's I don't think there's anybody dominating this uh they're all just brothers in the Lord and some, and some of them are right. elders you know.
1: Good point, Matt. The other man's been up all night with his baby, so he didn't have time to study. <laughs>
0: uh, Sorry. No, I, I, I was just thinking very simply. I, I didn't get real deep on this one or any of them. I, my elevator doesn't go very deep, but uh, I just took this from it, that at times the church as a whole should be able to come together and to help hold the elders accountable and the elders should be able to handle the flock as a whole not feel like they have to separate out individual sheep or individual saints and you know chastise them or something for the questions that they would have okay
1: i should text david right because it looks like we lost him so the next question is a is uh, um a big question. Who holds elders accountable? Who are the elders accountable to? And I and, and and I think there's four different categories. So um that's a hint. So who would who would the elders be accountable to primarily, first and foremost?
0: God <laughs> the to the
1: Lord, the Lord who is the chief shepherd, right?
0: Yeah.
1: so they're accountable to the chief shepherd who would the who and 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 the other three can be in any order who are the other three that they're accountable to
0: the other shepherds the flock and
1: themselves okay yeah good who said that
0: matt
1: yeah yeah you studied didn't you so <laughs> there's three there's three groups so the first one's the lord the way I, the order I put them in was to themselves. So it needs to be accountability in themselves. And um, if you go online, there's not a lot about accountability online. But if, but there is um, some decent accountability type questions. David's coming back. There's can be some accountability type questions, and those accountability type questions are: Did I spend time in the Word? Did I pray? Did I contact someone from the assembly today? Did I um, spend time with my family? Am I having a good work balance relationship? Am I having a good family church balance relationship? So there's different things that we have. We can have a mental question or checklist. Then um, Chuck Swindell and and John Piper both have lists and basically their accountability, basically they elder accountability, but they're really like church staff accountabilities that they each would fill that out and hand it into each other and discuss about their accountability of, Did I watch anything online that was inappropriate? Did I watch any movies that were inappropriate? Do I have a good family balance? Some of the same questions all over again. And both of them have 10 10 questions that they would make their staff answer and turn in. And so there's accountability to yourself. There's accountability to the elders. I would say in my trips and my conversations, accountability to their fellow elders is probably the greatest weakness in assemblies today And probably accountability to the flock is the second greatest weakness. I visit with a lot of elders. A lot of elders take me to lunch, and they express frustration that there's an elder among them that is running rampant. Sometimes they have the paycheck that's doing things which are are concerning, and they're not accountable for them. And when they discuss among the other elders, how to hold this one elder accountable or two elders accountable, when the, ton, the meeting comes that they've sort of agreed to try, someone chickens out and doesn't want to be the bad guy or doesn't want to, and, and they let it go. So the frustration builds and no one ever addresses it. And it can it can literally destroy an assembly. It can literally destroy an elders group. And so, um. I've been to i I've been attending the Elders and Workers Together conference now, I think for nine years, and it's a national conference. And often when we're in small groups, that's one of the questions. How do you deal with a bull elder? How do you deal with someone who won't be accountable? And it's really tough. It's really tough. And it can it can if someone thinks he has a right to make any of the decisions anytime he wants to. It really is tough and then the final is accountability to the to the flock and if um, if you're not being accountable to the flock then and and we saw that in Peter he wasn't defensive so How many of you had have requested a meeting with the elders to discuss something you see either as a problem in the assembly or something that maybe needs to be addressed and you and you were questioned about your why you wanted to talk to them, what the subject was going to be, why was this necessary to have a meeting and then you felt like you were in a combat zone when you went to talk to them? show of hands well, there's at least two shows of hands so um, so so and not even if you were like trying to hold them accountable, you just want to discuss an issue with them but you had this feeling so then when it comes time to actually hold them accountable when maybe they've done something wrong, you go with fear and trembling because it's they haven't been open or transparent in any activity so how would they get yeah, open and, and transparent if there is an issue you have to hold them accountable for? So the next question is what, what, that's a terrible question. What is the purpose? That should have been is instead of the, what is the purpose of holding elders accountable or what, why do we, why does it need to be done?
0: Because power corrupts.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, I, I think even in the church, that becomes true.
0: And we're all sinners.
1: And we're all sinners. So, and and (laughs) there are times when leadership um, is sending out an uncertain signal. Sometimes you need to approach them and say, it's confusing. I was in an assembly um, years ago. And one of the things that's a very important for elders to do is that if they're approached for their opinion, that they state that it's their opinion if they give an opinion. So if someone comes to me and goes, I don't like the way we're doing this, or why are we doing this this way? Or, you know, brother so-and-so, when he preaches the gospel, he really doesn't preach the gospel. Why are we keep having him preach the gospel? And the brother says, oh, I think he does a great job preaching the gospel. So you're not satisfied with that answer. So you go to elder number two and you go, when so-and-so preaches the gospel, they really don't have a, they're disorganized. They don't seem like they've studied. They're not doing a great job. Why do we have them preaching the gospel? And that brother says, oh, he's terrible. I wish we didn't use him. And so then it seems like the elders aren't on the same page and the elders aren't together. And when someone goes and speaks to an elder and they get a response, their assumption is is that the elders, they're speaking for the elders as a whole. They're not speaking with just their individual opinion. So it's really important for elders to be really clear what they're saying. I don't know about the other elders. We've never discussed this, but my personal opinion is. And then that makes it really clear that he's not. And so... Elders can send out uncertain signals, and then elders can be guilty of procrastination. And if they've said, well, "We'll give us, let us think about that, and we'll get back to you," and they never get back to you, what do you do? And if they're not open and transparent, you 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 go with fear and trepidation and say. You know, you guys told us you would give us an, you know, you would make a decision on this and let us know and it's been three months and we haven't heard anything yet.
4: <laughs>
1: well, that's happened to you Matt, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I don't wanna be, I, 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 believe me, I'm not making some of these things up. They've, they're my personal experience and in dealing with things. Um, sometimes they've done something questionable either as individuals or as a group, Um, anger sometimes can be an issue. Yes, Jeff. Yes, I I
2: just wanted to say, um, I've had sort of a reaction to this question and um, the idea of separating one elder off to the side and getting him to open up like that, I think that elder has a responsibility to be very careful what he says, to not be judgmental, and uh, it, it should become then a process for the entire elder team. And because uh, then, if you, you, you like, you were describing it, this elder said this, and this elder said that. One of the things we tried to do in the past was we tried not to speak out of school, and we would uh, we would make sure we were united in, an, in a response like that. And so I would I would just say um, I'm a little I'm a little concerned with that that concept because you know then it's he said, she said, that type
1: of thing and the best thing is don't give your own personal opinion. Yeah. Say, you know, we haven't discussed that yet. Let me get together with the other elders and talk about that. Exactly. Yes. I mean that's the best response. But if you're gonna give your opinion, make sure you they know that it's just your opinion. Well that in your own The assembly I was in, there was, I I wouldn't call him a troublemaker, but he was concerned at the direction of the assembly. And he was concerned about some things in the assembly. And so he would go individually to the elders and discuss it with them. And they didn't say, okay, thank you for bringing that to our attention. We weren't aware of it. We're going to discuss it and get back to you. No, each of them gave us an individual opinion and those individual opinions differed. And so then he would go to, the people who had expressed concerns about these things to him, and he would say, "The elders are really messed up. They are not on the same page. They all have a different opinion. They can't seem to get it together." So when I came along, I went and sat down with them, and I said, "You need to stop expressing your personal opinions." Absolutely. <laughs> and if someone brings a concern to you, you need to tell them, "We'll get back to you," and you need to address it. Well, they made me an elder like a month later because they thought maybe I knew what I was talking about. But it was that was part of the problem is they weren't on the same page and they and they weren't, each one was just addressing the, the issue from their own viewpoint and not understanding. As some of you know, I'm pretty active in Little League. And one of the things we talked in Little League is if you're a volunteer at a league and you're on the board of directors, when you speak, everybody thinks you're speaking as a member of the board of directors. Exactly. And so you, you need to pull your board of director hat and say, I'm not speaking as a board of director. I'm not acting as a board of director. This is just my singular opinion. It's never wise, and I think Jeff makes a good point. It's never wise to do that.
2: Well, the guy like you were—I'm sorry—the guy you were describing. Oh man, he's horrible! I wish he wasn't speaking, or I wish he wasn't an elder. Right. I mean, that man is sinning. I think, and that's a—that's a horrible answer.
1: Well, yeah. it what the person wasn't an elder; it was someone. He, he was a peculiar person. Yeah. And two of the elders wish he'd just go away and leave them alone and never come back. And one of the elders said, "No, I—I I don't have a problem with him," and—and. And, Um, he was, he was different. He was very different. He's the most different person I think I've ever run across in an assembly. But there were other issues that were like that in the assembly, just not one individual. So um, that's sort of like, the problem is, and Jeff, and Jeff's right, the best thing is not to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, Jeff, you've been an elder and in a group, and I I think Steve's been, and I know uh, David Wright has been, and Jay, there are times when someone says, are we concerned about this brother's behavior? And the other elders are saying, no, not at all.
0: Mm.
1: Or that doesn't bother me. And so, well, I, I am concerned and someone will say, well, we're not going to discuss it because it's not an issue. And and a lot of times a bull elder will say, well, if I don't see it as a problem, it's not a problem. Mm. And yeah. so people, people, as I, as I've said along the lines, there's, there's usually different people who relate to different elders and they'll go to that elder they relate to best and they'll ask a question. That elder will take his concern back to the whole and unless that concern is, is looked at as a valid concern from, from the flock and so in a way that's sort of holding accountability It's like the only concerns we have is the ones we see. If we don't mm-hmm. see the concern there is no concern. Mm-hmm. That, that's a dangerous thing. and that's where and 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 jeff where the individual opinions come from is when the elders are not on the same page and there's not unity among the elders and (laughs) so they're a little defensive so they're just given their opinion to sort of protect themselves that you know you're dissatisfied along with them and so it's, it's a it's really a sign of disunity or dysfunction
2: well i agree with that
1: yeah and and it and it really can destroy um a group of elders all right and the last one is um when they show partiality hey clay yes
0: so could you say that then the main purpose for holding the elders accountable is to keep the lines of communication open between the elders and the flock
1: yeah and the elders and each other
0: yeah well that that i think that should go without being said but I wish it
1: I wish that was true
0: if that is the case then that's where you got to start but so I I guess I would find it very hard or very difficult to imagine uh going to an elder and and asking his opinion and him not having an opinion you know if I go to him and say hey as a whole, you know, I, I, I guess I have in the past gone to an elder and said, listen, what is your opinion?
1: Okay. Be, be specific about what the incident was.
0: Um, uh, well, there was an issue between two people. Okay. It, it, they weren't getting along. Uh, okay. They were hating. Okay. And I, what, what, uh, what is your opinion? How should we resolve this? And, and,
1: and what if he said, what if his response, as Jeff, I think, rightly says, what if his response says, you know, that's a good question. I think the elders need to address that, and I'll get back to you.
0: I'd be happy with that.
1: See, that, that would be a satisfactory answer. No. If, you just said, if he just said, I don't see it as a problem, or I don't think it's that much of an issue, that would not be a good answer.
0: No. Jeff?
2: Or, as you say, if they don't, they say, I'll get back to you, and they don't. Yes. <laughs> that is a horrible thing, too. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, well, procrastination if, is terrible and it happens way too many times. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Or, and I've had elders go, Oh, well, we took care of that, but, and they go, No one ever got back to me. What's the issue? What's, what happened? And they go, Oh, we didn't think, since it wasn't involving you, we didn't think we need to get back to you. Well, I'm the one who called it to your attention in the first place because you weren't doing anything. So, you know, it 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 really it means you're not accountable. I've I've called it to your attention, but you owe me nothing to bring it back and let me know it was resolved. Or, you know, you don't have to tell me what you did, but just tell me we've we've discussed it. We've sat down, both people, we've discussed it. We think it's resolved. Fine, end of end of story, right? I mean, isn't that mm-hmm.
4: what we're so all account- looking for? So to complicate it a little further, what if it involved an elder?
1: Well, and that's where partiality comes into play. And that's where elders are not holding each other accountable. So if you have an elder who's losing, who loses his temper and yells at someone at the end of the meeting, because of something happened or someone, you know, he got upset or heaven forbid, one assembly I was in, uh, it was father's day and they were serving donuts And um, the Sunday school kids got out a little early and they were grabbing the donuts and, and the ladies who were in charge of the donuts and the coffee said, you need to wait till the dads get out here because those donuts are out here. You can't have a second donut. And the child of the elder went to his dad and complained and the elder came out and in front of everybody, unfortunately, just had a total meltdown on the two ladies. And, um, it was bad and no one, and the other elders were intimidated and didn't want to hold him accountable. So the assembly finally did hold him accountable and he stopped coming for quite a while. So, but that, I mean, so those things, those things happen and depending on the eldership group, whether they're going to hold him accountable or whether um, impartiality is big. So if, if the elder son is is the one who's having a squabble with another someone else, and the elders don't want to deal with it because it's one of their family members, so to speak, and they're being in, and they're not being impartial, that sometimes need to be called to their account, and they need to be held account be held accountable for not for acting in it, not acting in an impartial manner. And that's tough. I mean, it's not easy. But it could be they're not aware of it. It could be that it's not on their radar. When we get to elders' gifts and things like that, sometimes we'll we'll talk about different perceptions and people have different things. And you know, it is possible to have totally clueless elders who miss social clues and miss what's happening or are ignorant of or don't know the sheep well enough to see the issues that other sheep see and wonder why they're not being addressed or taken care of. Uh, all those things are issues that are part of accountability, in my opinion.
5: Uh, I, think I, get, I think I've I think said this a few times, so at the sake of being a broken record. The beginning, we talked a lot about pride and elders, and I think it's another thing. And I think elders keeping each other accountable on the pride issue avoids a lot of this because if we aren't living and we don't have pride, it, an elder is not going to have an issue with a member of the flock coming up and questioning them on something, something like um, the first uh, passage we were talking about there where he was questioning him about meeting with the Pharisees or um, I'm sorry, I'm getting all messed up. Sorry. Lack of sleep. I'm blaming on that, but you guys know what I'm talking about. So um, normally, and I think it's all of our natural reactions when somebody questions us on something like that to kind of get your back up against the wall and, to justify yourself but that's not what he did he just went forward and you know explained it and still stood on his ground but he took the time to explain it and so pride is i think an underlining issue in all of these topics
1: so so believe it or not i actually didn't send matthew the notes here that i'm i'm working off of so he could preempt the next section but here here's the next section it's first peter five five and we looked at first peter five is dealing with elders and we never got to the fifth and sixth verse, but it says this, likewise, you younger submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, all of you should be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and give grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So part, part of being accountable is a willingness to submit yourself to others. And it takes a humbleness to be willing to submit yourself to others. So, um, I think we have the idea of accountability here in Peter's instructions. Submission is a two-way street. The younger should submit to the older, but there are times when the older will submit to the younger. And it's like there are some who've never read these verses in the Bible, in my opinion, or they put a new spin on it that it's like the flock should submit to each other, but this, this passage doesn't include the elders, even though the whole passage is primarily about elders so in context it's about elders and it's about elders being humble and it's about elders submitting in my opinion and um the very idea of submission is that there is a difference of opinion that someone's right and someone feels someone else is wrong but you submit to the other person and pride keeps people from submitting so I know Matthew didn't read these because I never sent them out, but he, he was on the, absolutely the right track. So it takes humility to submit to someone younger than you. It takes a great deal of humility to listen to someone younger. It, it, and it's tough to have someone who's younger than you come out and point a problem in the assembly that you've either ignored, didn't see, or, or, or um, had issues with. One of the verses that really spoke to me is Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of other. And and pride is something I battle on a constant basis. And um, I argue with the Lord about my pride because He they, they "Esteem others not better than yourself." And I go, "Well, I could think of a hundred things. Matt's a better farmer than me. Dave's a better, better, uh, um, plumber than me." Um, Jeff's a better speaker than me. I mean, I could go on and on. I could find something better about every individual on this screen right now. But one of the things that the Lord had to convince me of is that other people's ideas are better than mine. And that was a struggle for me, that other people's ideas are better than mine. I had to confess that that was really hard for me to think other people had better ideas than mine. And, um, and I realized that, The real issue is always thinking my way is better is, in fact, pride. So one of the things then it makes it hard for you to submit your ideas to someone else's ideas. And one of the things I had to really ask myself is, am I willing to submit my ideas? Not just to submit myself, but submit my ideas. And I realized that pride was keeping me from submitting and an elder refuses to be accountable is that he can't ex- submit to another man's judgment whether that there be um someone else in, an elder or someone else in the flock and and matt hit it right on the nose it's an issue of pride you, uh, your inability to submit your will unwillingness to be accountable is really an issue of pride and it, and it really can affect the church it, and so once again, then we go back to this whole idea of choosing elders who are humble. Yes, yes Jeff.
2: Um, I think this is a very important area and um, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, how, how do we pass, <clears throat> pass the, the good leadership along to younger men? And, and uh, what do, you, do you have shepherding seminars in Southern California do you, you you gather them all together Where you just have elders in attendance and and get some good people up front who who can address things like this because if we're not training the next generation then they're just going to repeat what they've seen and so i just i just think that what we're doing here at palms is a very good thing for one thing we're laying a foundation and uh but i just uh you know you have talked clay about a number of your experiences and it's just kind of I just kind of find myself shaking my head at the, what you have found in different assemblies there, the way the elders do or do not get along or uh, whatever the case might be. And um, uh, I just see them reproducing themselves to the next generation. So how do we do that? I mean, uh, wouldn't it be great if we could have at a large assembly like at a Laurel or a Fullerton have a conference for a weekend and that type of thing? And
1: We've scheduled one for Claremont. We had originally scheduled one for Claremont in November. And Steve Price, and, and, uh, who some of you I think have met, he's gonna speak at the conference in two years. And um, Scott DeGroff, who spoke at the conference a few years back, we're gonna be the two leaders on on that. And I was working with both of them on setting up this. But now with this virus, I don't know if we're gonna be able to have it or not. But we,
4: mm-hmm.
1: And so basically the, it, the national conference um, that I go to of elders and workers together is basically, discussing these things on a regular basis, having small group seminars where we discuss some of these things. And I don't believe my experiences are, are, they might be different for you, Jeff, but I would say they're probably more the usual than the unusual. Mm. And then elders will choose men to be elders who they feel they can work with, or who they feel they can get along with. So they don't wanna be challenged in their elders meetings. They don't want people with different ideas than they have. And so they tend to then, um, rather than passing the baton to elders who are qualified, you're passing the baton on the people who are like you, which sometimes are the very unqualified people to start with. So that that becomes um, an issue.
2: When I was in Southern California working with Cornerstone, we would go up to Verdugo Pines. And um, I recall one year, Jack Spender, was the teacher and right. he did a good job on leadership. And another time, Dave Reed was there. And and um, it, uh, it's the possibility if you've got some elder an eldership team, couldn't the church say to them, "Hey, listen, we're, you know, I went to that elder workers uh, conference in Lawrence, Kansas, and I loved it. I just couldn't afford to go to Connecticut this year, but um, uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, w- wouldn't it be great if we could send a team? Oh to one of these conferences and say and and then have some people looking for them like a Jack Spender or somebody and take them under wing and
1: so so for about for about five years I was the only west coast person there and the reason I went by the way um, you guys is Don Salter was going to speak at one in North Carolina and he said to me "Um, I'm going to speak will you come and would you come to this conference and 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 support me so I originally went to the conference just out of kindness to Don Salter and to support him because he's going to be one of the speakers, mm-hmm. and I haven't I haven't missed one since. And Jack Spender actually is the chairman of, of the committee that puts these on, and um, I've sent I've sent David. Uh, I think the best book on elders that I know is called Elder Shop Notes, and it's by Jack Spender, and a good friend of mine, um, who, uh, is Chuck Giannotti. Two, two good friends of mine, or people I consider to be friends, um, and they've got an excellent series of four workbooks. I've sent David Wright to co- our David um, Welcher two copies. And um, so, you might, if you're interested in reading more about this, you might ask him to ask for one of his sets. And there's there's four books in each set, so you could read one book at a time. So, there's some books that can be shared if you're interested. But, yeah, it's a huge subject, and, and I think it's an un, un, undertaught subject.
5: Do you want to include the titles and the authors uh, in your email to me next week? And yeah, I'll, I'll, include, I'll, include, I'll include, include the, in the, the um, titles
1: and the authors in your email next, next week that I send you. Called, they're called Elder Shop Notes, and they're also online videos that are available that cover the same material if you're more of a video person rather than a reader. So let's, let's go on to question five, and, uh, and I've got a couple more things to cover, so I don't want to run out of time. Are elders held to a higher standard of accountability than other sheep? Yes. Okay, that's a simple answer. Does anybody have a verse to support that idea?
0: Uh, we're told that they give an account I'm not sure of the reference off the top of my head, but they, uh, I think it's in uh, obey them. They have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls. As those, yep,
1: yeah, and they'll give an account. So that's Hebrews um 13. So here, okay. here are two verses. I thought of. that's a good reference. James three one says, "My brethren, um, be not many masters, knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation." Most, most um. Translations would translate that teacher. So um, teachers and elders need to be apt to teach. They need to be the ones teaching. They need to be the ones feeding the flock. So if teachers are held to a higher standard, then it is natural that elders are held to a higher standard. And then 1 Timothy 5.19, when we get into discipline, we'll look at that. Against an elder received not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, them that sin rebuke before all that others may also fear. And so I think there is a I think there's a clear biblical guideline um, that uh, elders are high, held to a higher standard should be held to a higher standard.
0: Can you give us those references again?
1: Okay, um, James three one, and First Timothy five nineteen. So one of the ways to tell whether you're accountable and open as a group of elders is when someone says we like i um matt and matt or matt and and danny or you know two people want to come meet with you and discuss something do you require an agenda do you want to know everything that they might be bringing to you are you open and honest and just say come on let's sit down and talk about it we had we had an issue um when we first went to online meetings and there were some real uncertain signals being sent out by the elders And, um, one of the brothers said, can I meet with two of the elders because I'm real concerned about this and I'm concerned about an issue. And my response is, of course, I'll meet with anybody, anytime I have nothing to hide. I want to be transparent. You have something I'm doing wrong. I want to know about it. I want to hear about it. And the other elder said, well, I need to know what the meetings are. I'm not willing to walk into a meeting unless I know what the issues are in advance. And the issue was that we were we were sending out uncertain signals, and we were dropping the ball, and we weren't on the same page. And all I could say when the brother pointed out to us is, "You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. We we were trying to figure out a new way of meeting, and we didn't do a good job. Just to be honest, we didn't do a good job, and and we weren't. We the brother and I were communicating back and forth, and he sent out an email saying that a decision had been made. When in my mind, we hadn't reached any decision. He just made it on his own. And so um, it caused some confusion because I was telling someone about something else and they they took his. And, um, and how willingly are we willing to entertain people who have issues in the assembly and how open and honest and, and how do we treat them? Well, last thing, the last thing I want to talk about is the idea of ownership. The idea of ownership. And so part of him being accountable is this idea of ownership. And when, when there's not mutual submission, you end up with the perception that the elders own the church. And those in leadership may be sending signals that say this local church is owned and controlled by the elders. There's a brother once said that when he visits a church, he immediately looks for two things. Who makes the decision and who controls the money? And that tells them who owns the work. Mm-hmm. Ownership can be a barrier that prevents those not in the ownership group from getting involved in growing. So if you're not accountable, if they don't seem to want your opinion, if you are not feel like you're valued, then it it then you end up giving up and just being a visitor, and you don't you don't have part of it. So a church should not have a caste system, and everybody knows what I mean by a caste system. There's not they're all sheep. They're not, some sheep are on a pedestal and some sheep are higher and some sheep are higher and some sheep are lower. Um, the, true, the true New Testament assembly is not a democracy, but an equal brotherhood of believers with other mature men leading as under shepherds accountable to Christ and each other. This is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm such a firm believer in men's meetings is that we're all equal in men. The elders have every opportunity at the men's meeting to lead And they should lead with their wisdom and their knowledge of the scriptures. There might be occasion where something comes up that maybe the elders want to discuss among themselves before there's a clear signal of leadership or a clear signal of maybe a direction to go. But most of the stuff involving the assembly, everyone should have a part of and should feel part of that assembly. um, It is also a family in which the members share unlimited liability for one another and unlimited care for one another. If the, this perception that the elders own the church can be can be changed when our ideas are open with open arms. So some of you maybe have experienced where the elders own or you felt the elders own the church and you went with a new idea. And if they didn't, if it wasn't their idea or if they didn't buy in immediately, they poo-pooed the idea or they weren't, they, there was no encouragement to carry out that idea. So, um, when decisions that affect the whole are not made in secret or behind closed doors. So one of the ways to foster ownership in the church that everybody has a part is don't make decisions behind closed doors and then come out and say, this is the way we're going to, we're going to start meeting at 9:15 from now on. Well, who made that decision? The elders made that decision to meet at 9:15. Why, where were the rest of the families and the men that were affected by that change of decision? Why weren't, why wasn't input sought from them? Why wasn't there an open ability and accountability for that type of decision? And then when new ideas are suggested, an environment has been created, which makes the new ideas valued, and there's a willingness to try new suggestions. So even when we think of a reason that it won't work, or even when we think it's not a good idea or a great idea, let's work with them to refine the idea so that it will be an idea that works. But instead, too often elders say, we tried that, it doesn't work. That won't work here that's not a good idea. I'm personally opposed to it, so we're not going to try it. Or I'm personally opposed to it, so it won't have my support. You know, and you, you come along, and you go, could we do a DVBS? No, I'm not. I'm not interested in doing a DVBS. That's where it ends. You know, someone comes that I, I want to do a DVBS. I might say, I don't know how much time I can commit to that, but let's see if the rest of the brothers want to do it. And let's see if we have enough support and enough people to participate. Let's run
4: with it. So to use an analogy, say that, sorry, Jeff, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was just going to say, Clay, I feel like you've been a fly on the wall for a lot of my life. (laughs) I've been a fly on the wall for my life and I'm experiencing, and I'm relating my experiences to you. So what I'm realizing is a lot of those experiences I think we've experienced as well so unfortunately
1: Well and that's why when I when I talk about elders or I when I'm teaching about elders this is the things I'm talking about is is these are the problems that you need to address these are the things you need to be aware of this is part of being a leader So to, Jeff did you say have something I cut yes. you off sorry um,
2: the idea of the, the, the full men's meeting, I, I see a lot of benefits of that, but I have one concern, and that is, okay, uh, we all come together, and then an issue is brought up, um, and uh, the, the elders are there. They're trying to offer advice and, and everything, but would it, would it not be a good thing to say up front, listen, we're going to talk as brothers in the Lord today, but we're not going to decide anything today? And then allow the elders to get together, and then come back and talk to the men, and, and uh, have a communication. But because I can see, well, something's going to come up, and and uh, three fourths of the meeting wants to do this, and another fourth doesn't, and you know, if but if you knew up in front, hey, look at we love each other, and we're going to talk with each other, but we're not going to decide anything today. But we will get back to you as quickly as we can.
1: And that, well, that
2: would make uh, sense to me.
1: Yeah. And 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 so. But, but that's part of working as a body is, you know, we're not all on the same page. Let's continue to pray about and see that the Holy Spirit shows us what he wants. One of the things we talked about, I think the last meeting was that there was a need for um, Dan Harvey and was taking food across the border to send Ignacio Christians who are out of work. And one of the things that was that people are going to pray and see what the Lord laid on their heart as to a gift to give to them. And one of the things I said is make sure when you come back together that, that you, you've prayed and that you have an idea, and sometimes it sometimes it means submitting to others. But that's where leadership comes in. And the leader says, you know, brother we're not all on the same page. Let's right. continue to pray about this and discuss it next time.
2: And the people who decide to, to write the check, I mean, I, that's not my authority. I, you know, that's, I'm not on that committee. <laughs> but whoever is responsible for writing the check, then they would have to be communicated to. They would have right. to be in agreement and that type of thing. So. It's just, right. I don't know, I can just see it to be a good idea to talk openly huh. as brothers and and, uh, and uh, yet, you know, recognize that maybe we're not going to come to a, an answer right now, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll work with well,
1: and And I would probably agree to disagree with you. There's very few times that the elders would have to get together and make the decision for the assembly. And I think that with the elder leadership leading That the wisdom, see, I believe the Holy Spirit actually works in his people today. And I believe the Holy Spirit can bring us to a consensus or bring us to see what the right thing to do is. Mm -hmm. If we're all working together, we're all being humble and we're all willing to submit, we will come to an agreement that what's best. And I might give some and you might give some and it might be some take here and some give there. But I think in the end, we can come together in agreement. So uh, I would, let's finish. I, yeah, go ahead. I would, I would say that
2: I really uh, have to agree to disagree, but that's okay. Yeah,
1: and that's fine. Uh, we, and
2: uh, because we, I've been working on eldership teams for for 30 years, and and uh, it, you know, I agree that the, we can trust the Holy Spirit to work in our midst. We can all give and take that type of a thing. It depends what the issue is, but it, you know, there's there's going to be
1: times it, it, it,
2: when we really need yeah. to just. not
1: not decide (laughs) if it's a doctrinal issue or it's a discipline issue i would agree that there are going to be times the elders are going to get together pray over it and make a decision and come back and and talk to the group about but i don't i i will i later on as we go on i will share some things that i've seen how the lord's work and it's been pretty marvelous and it wasn't two men making a decision for the assembly it was the men and it took four years to come to an agreement that this was the right thing to do and do it. Four years? No, nope, Four years.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, that, that's four,
1: really four years. Four years of patiently waiting on the Lord. Because the verse that we opened with is, is guess what? Remember what we said um Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsel of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Sometimes we have to be patient till others see what we see, and others see a need for what we see a need for. And sometimes that takes patience, but when the Holy Spirit finally does show it to everybody, there's unity no one's in charge. No one's forcing a decision, and it might take some time. And, and I've seen I've seen patience and long suffering work to the point that an assembly that could have been torn apart by this decision waited, and and the brothers all came together to make the right decision. And believe me, I was a little frustrated they didn't make the right decision the first time around because it was clear to me what the proper decision was the first round, but. They weren't, and we waited, and were patient, and they came around. Yes, Jeff.
2: Well, I, I just think your comment about taking four years answers my point, and um, I, I agree with you. It's wonderful when we get it all done, done, and decided, and everybody's had their say, and there's unity, and it's a blessing, and we move forward as the body. I think that's that's great. It's just that uh, I've I've been doing this, like you say, Clay. I've been an elder for over thirty, thirty-five years, and and uh I, mean, I can just see all kinds of issues that have come up that but, but we just can't you know um
1: well, I, I, I will tell you the lord taught me some lessons in this case because i don't know if i would have been that long suffering mm. so i think but what i saw was a church that had been through a number of church splits and really wouldn't have survived another church split didn't split they waited on the lord and that church now is one of the thriving assemblies mm. So, all right, let me finish. Uh, to, to use Clay, an analogy, owners of a
5: house. Hey, Clay. Danny yeah. was yeah. going to say something. Danny?
4: Oh, sorry, Danny. I, I was just thinking that outside of doctrinal things, that um, when, when the church sees humility in elders and the inclusiveness of the rest of the assembly on decisions, <laughs> then... And at a track record proven by the elders, then there, there's going to be a lot more unity that's going to come out of that. But when it comes to doctrinal things or discipline, um, I don't think then the assembly needs a lot of input with regards to decision-making. That's kind of, when, kind of where when, I was at. I don't know what your when thoughts we come
1: to, When we come to the section on discipline, I will share with you exactly the problem and exactly what took place and where it was justified in my mind now, I don't know if I was on board at the start, but it was justified in my mind now that they waited four years. So oh, I didn't realize issue. it wasn't
4: on a discipline, yeah. It was a
1: discipline issue, a discipline issue that if the two men who were leading the assembly at the time, if it, the decision was left to them would have been one way, but then there would have been a lot of a lot of hurt and there was no unity for that decision. And they waited till there was unity, and the Lord blessed that being long-suffering. All right, let's finish. To use analogy, owners of a house will sacrifice energy and resources. Visitors will be reluctant to build in someone else's house. Owners will not drift off. Visitors will. Owners have an incentive to endure hardship that comes with the work. Visitors don't. Elders can change, excuse me, elders can change the environment by helping people make the transition from visitors to owners, but it may require some sacrifice, like letting go of things that younger, newer believers can do. One of the reasons elders are reluctant to loosen the reins is due to their fear of mistakes. If you let a younger, less experienced person do something, what happens when they fail? When elders have a problem with pride, they take every mistake as a mark against them they take it as a personal slant on their reputation. They fear people will think less of them, and so they take back control and become more controlling, thus creating an atmosphere of ownership all over again. And I know none of you have experienced any of that either. And Jeff, you have a couple of years on me on being an elder, so.
2: <laughs> well, you know, we the Lord gives us the, the. Um, experience that he does, and uh, I didn't choose the path I was on, though. I was just following the Lord, and I never went into a place that, you see, I've I've been a full-time committed worker invited by eldership teams to come and help them because of problems in the church, Uh, maybe a big fight or division or people leaving, And, and that's been my ministry for all these years, and um you know, but I never was invited. I never admitted a requirement. I want to sit on the elder board when I came in. They just right. after a while they would they would invite me to, to meet with them, and I've been in all different types of ones. I told you, you know, when we first got started, on one on one elder board there were seven of us. The least I've been on was three, and uh, three about usually four or five. And um, it, it's good to have to work together and have unity. And one of the things we've always said is, look, we're going to have unity. We're not going to go ahead ahead on a three to two vote. You know, we want to have five of us saying this is what the Lord's will is.
1: (laughs) We, in one assembly I was in, we had unity on, on the, um, on an issue. At least we thought we had unity on the issue. At the next men meeting, one of the elders was missing. There was three of us, and the other elder threw both the both of us under the bus and said. He was having second thoughts and that decision was forced upon him. And um, let me tell you, I wasn't happy with him changing his mind and not letting us know first and letting the, the flock know that, that we, he felt we had twisted his arm because we didn't feel we had twisted his arm. We had discussed it and he had agreed. Now later, he says we twisted his arm and we'd forced him into a decision. So that um, almost split that church. Because it, it was a tough decision. It was a very difficult decision to make. The elders finally came down on one side. There were some opposition to that decision. We thought it was a doctrinal issue, so we made that decision because we felt it was doctrinal. And then when he backed away, and that was the beginning of the end for us working together as elders, it, it, it became an untenable situation after that. So anyway, it's... Um, it's time. I've done too much of the talking. Um, go ahead, guys. Open up, ask questions. David Wright, I'm calling on David Wright because I know David Wright has some personal experiences. he might either agree or disagree with what I've stated.
0: I actually, he had to do some work, so I'm listening in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clay, maybe I missed it. Uh, What, what was your answer to question number two?
1: Question number two and question uh, and um, question number two, what lessons can we learn about accountability is that they were open and honest and they felt they were accountable to the assembly that had sent them out. So basically the same as question number one, the lesson both of theirs is their openness and honestness and they're willing to go into detail of what took place. It, you know, if you're a commended worker or or you're, a, or you're a full-time worker, one of the tough things to do is to, is to um, send out a newsletter saying what you've done, because many times they come across as pride and bragging. And yet if you don't send anything out, people think you're not accountable. So you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place of how to, how to say how the Lord's blessing without making it seem like you're doing all the work yourself, but yet not make it seem like you're tooting your own horn or you're asking for money or, you know, and so newsletters are really tough. I write one a year. I I find it very difficult to write that one and I write one a year. And um, I tend to be more call me up and I'll tell you what's happening sort of type person, so. (laughs)
4: Maybe just not using the words me and I too much. It is really hard
1: to tell what you've been doing without using me or I or your name. You've got a whole year's worth of ministry of the conferences you've spoke at and the churches you've helped and what you've been doing with your time and not use me or I or my name. I guess. You write it in the third person and it sounds like you're even bragging more because you wrote it in the third person. Right. (laughs) if any of you are good at that, I'll tell you what I've been doing. You can write something that doesn't sound like it's bragging because I struggle big time with that. Chuck, Chuck Giannotti, who um, wrote the Elder Shop Notes, and he's written a number of books. And if you ever get any of his books, I can, te- I can tell you they're all excellent, excellent books. We were in Miami at the Elders and Workers Together conference, and we stayed, we roomed together. And we had a 45-minute commute both ways from where the saint's house we were living in to, the, to the, where the meetings were being held. And he turned to me and he said, um, I ask everybody I deal with this question, what's the g- large, biggest challenge to your ministry? And I said, which is always my biggest challenge, pride. And he said, you know, you're the first person who's ever answered that. And I said, it's really hard if you're in ministry not to, to not battle pride on a regular basis. Is if the Lord uses you you have to battle pride if if, if, if he you do something wrong and someone calls your account you have to battle pride. I buy I battle pride on the day If you speak and no one says anything you have to battle pride. If you speak and everybody comes up to you and tells you it's the best message I ever heard you have to battle pride. There's just a battle there's just a constant battle of pride you just can't get away from it I get I can't I mean it's a constant fight. I don't know how people, can't say it's 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 a hindrance or it's something, it's the number one thing I battle. So in my ministry, the number one thing I battle is pride. I want to be humble. I want to be a servant. The Lord has taken me into situations where I can learn how to be a servant. It's not an easy thing for me. I'm a planner. I want to be in charge. It's very hard for me to be like, Ray, this week, clean toilets it's good to learn to be humble and clean toilets for a week and let a camp go on and not be in charge and not be the speaker and not be the organizer and just clean toilets for a week and you see things happening in that week that you could have helped solved or you could have resolved or you could have maybe prevented from happening to just clean the toilets
2: you know uh, Clay, um, I, I would just say i understand that and I, and I agree with you but you know you look at the Apostle Paul. Constantly talking about where he'd been, what he had done. He was uh, a, a tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, you know, he, all the suffering he went through—the forty lashes, the shipwreck, the you know—and uh, he was, you know, uh, all those in Asia have that departed from me, and this is my son. I led him to the Lord, and and so I I have just taken it, uh, not so much that you know. If you establish the fact that constantly repeat it that everything I am and everything I've done and God has done it for me and through me and he gets all the glory and the honor but just to, to you you have to let people
1: know <laughs> and, Paul, Paul's a much better writer than I am. And he's able to to even say, I speak as a fool, or I speak as a man when he's talking about things that no one else has experienced. Um, And, and, and somehow in his writings, it comes across that, but for the grace of God, he wouldn't be where he was. And he's able, he's able in an amazing way when he brings up the things that he's gone through to bring them up in a way that they illustrate for us to have hope or for us to be encouraged. He doesn't bring them up to tell you what he's been doing particularly or or his personal experience. He's not not relating them so you feel better about Paul. He's relating them so you understand suffering or you understand what it means to be a Christian. I haven't come to that skill level yet in my writing. You
0: know, I I was thinking about this the other day. You know, a lot of as we, as we get older and we mature, it's easier for us to <clears throat> do things or not do things because people might think negatively about what we're doing. But I think this dawned on me the other day that I think the bigger challenge is do we do the things that people think we should or the things that they – they, that are good to do because we want the approval, because we like the approval. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's a harder thing to and get over than the, to not do things because people might think negatively of us.
1: Yeah, so I don't, I don't live in a realm where I worry about what other people think of me per, t- per se. But I think of what I think of myself and I want to hold myself accountable for pride. And I just tr- tell you for me personally, and Jeff probably doesn't have a problem writing those letters for me personally, I struggle to write them because it comes across as I'm bragging and not that, not that you would take it as bragging or not that I'm worried that you'll take it as bragging. It's that I am bragging. Most That's of the, people, the problem.
2: Most of the people I write to, uh, I usually try to do one once a month, once every six weeks, and most of the people that i write to have been on our our newsletters for 30 years i mean they know us and they they know they know that we're not proud people and they know that we were are just talking and um and uh or they wouldn't have been helping us with prayers and support for 30 years or more and so the, the, those are the you know i don't send out people newsletters to people i really don't know that well you know and, uh, and they and- don't see say-
0: and i don't
1: either i yeah. don't either
0: yeah yeah i think that's the key though really is getting to know one another amen and that's gonna not only help us recognize when maybe we're being more proud than we should but also to hold each other accountable mm.
4: that goes right back to the elders in leading the assembly again as well right same right same thing <clears throat>
1: Well, it's hard to it's hard to preach humility and some and submission if you're not hmm. rashawn rashawn turned on his camera so he must have something to say
0: right no i don't i i just had it off i just turned it on that's all <laughs>
1: <laughs> steve
3: um I guess uh we're kind of going through a situation now with this coronavirus thing, you know um and there's not a total agreement on the elders um as to the severity or how to react to it, so I guess we could covet your prayers for that to know how to deal with that. It's not a doctrinal thing or you know we're
1: we're in the same boat so well here's how here's how we've dealt with it the two oldest elders want to meet at the building okay and so we've done hybrid meetings so one of the brothers has been kind enough to go in and set up a camera and project on the big screen the zoom meeting we're using um so we're using a slightly different platform but the same idea and they if they want to speak or or say something they're picked up on the mic at the chapel and they can hear everything everybody else is saying. The rest of the younger families and the old codger me have decided it would be safer not to meet, that it would be difficult at this point for everybody to be in the room. They're not wearing masks. I was very concerned they passed a single cup among the three people who were there. They passed passed a single loaf among the three people that were there um i i obviously there's a disconnect but we're working with the disconnect it's like okay if your personal choice is to be at the building and that's really what you want go ahead and do it but enough of us are concerned about the virus that we are willing to meet until and, and my opinion is until you can meet better in person than you can online then it's best to meet continue to meet online and i don't want to i don't want to wear face masks i don't want to i don't want to cleanse a bathroom we don't have a cleaning service or a small assembly smaller like palms used to be it, it there's a whole lot of logistics that are going to have to be conquered if you meet in person that at this time and and the two elders didn't participate in the discussion but we had a discussion do you want to meet in person and the and the body said no we're not ready to meet in person and that's what we're doing the two elders who want to meet in person i encourage them to go ahead and meet them, to go to the building.
3: Yeah, we we have um, one elder who is about 89 so uh, and he's had a lot of health issues. And so I understand, you know, if he doesn't want to come, that's fine him and his wife. Um, The rest of us come, but we do have uh, an issue where one elder wants to mandate that everybody wear a mask and I guess I don't see it that way, but that, that's me. I've, I've talked with a dear brother, actually, back in Wichita, Kansas, who's an elder there. Yeah, very, very solid brother. He's a um, physician. And um, he there is also a medical doctor in their assembly. Their assembly probably is a little over 200 people. And um, anyhow, they, they sat down, but um, one of the things that uh, they they meet they don't wear masks, or they don't require that you wear a mask they did do social distancing for the first i don't know maybe four weeks that they met together um but the elder i talked to he's talked to doctors and stuff and, and and they just felt like it was not necessary to wear a mask and they gave a whole list of reasons so they looked at it from a medical uh perspective um The other thing is, is, you know, like the governor or whatever would say, okay, um, you know, everybody stay at home. Everybody has to wear a mask, but it's not a law. uh, I mean, there's no criminal fine or anything like that if you don't wear a mask. So um, they discarded that. So he said the third thing they looked at is does it cause a weaker brother to stumble? And uh, he said, that was probably where the issue would lie the most, you know, and it kind of comes to that thought of, do you want to submit to that? <clears throat> or, or, or what would you do? And, uh, but to have one elder tell everybody, they have to do one thing. Uh, he doesn't know the exact health of everybody in the assembly. We have a lot of older people in the assembly. But uh, to mandate that I think is wrong. Um, and I agree. And, and we just try to keep our distance or whatever. And that same elder would stand up and take off his mask and talk to the to the other people there in the meeting. <laughs> so it seemed a little bit hypocritical on that part, but that, um, if that's what his real conviction was.
1: And and this virus has been tough to to neg- neg- navigate, and it's it's brought in issues that we've never faced as a church before.
2: Right. Yeah. Hey, listen, guys, um, I would just want to say to all of you, we still have a country where there's freedom. And even though I think there's a group of people trying to take that away from us, hmm. but I would encourage all of you with your loved ones and families, really rejoice and enjoy the 4th of July this year. Amen. And put your flag out and uh, say, you know, God bless America. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, I love you all. And uh, thank you for tonight. I'm going to leave. Yep and I have to be accountable to somebody else in the house, so.
5: <laughs> hey, good night, Jeff. Jeff. Bless, do you want to just close in prayer, Jeff? Oh, sure. We'll, we'll call it.
2: Lord, um, thank you
5: for this group of men who are exercised
2: about eldership. Um, some of them haven't seen a good example of it. Um, mm. Others have seen a lot of weaknesses in it. And uh, yet, Lord, um, this is your... This is your mandate. This is scriptural. This is New Testament. This is the leadership method you want us to have as elders and deacons. And um, so, Lord, we would be the people that would be just absolutely yielded to your word and under the authority of the Holy Spirit and uh, show love and mutual respect to one another. My prayer is for Paul and Lord, whoever you raise up to be elders here, that you'll just give them clear direction and bless them and bless us as an assembly to recognize those people. And, and Lord, we give you the praise and glory and uh, uh, thank you for these lessons that we've been having with Clay and Ray. We pray you bless Ray as he's back in Pennsylvania now. And we ask these things in Jesus name. Amen.